0: You're listening to the best of the Visualize You show. To celebrate my first year of podcasting, I'm counting down the top 30 episodes to celebrate all of my amazing guests and just how much fun I've had over the last 12 months. At number 25 with guest expert James Miller, is how do you make it in the film and TV industry? Welcome to the Visualize You podcast. I'm your host, Beth Hewitt. I'm a spiritual performance coach helping you go from unfulfilled to passionately living your purpose. You'll learn how to create a crystal clear vision for your life so that you can change direction with confidence and have a career or start a business that is more in alignment with your true soul's calling. Each week on the show, I'll talk about topics such as the art of visualization, scripting, manifesting and the law of attraction and I'll bring you interviews with inspirational people who have taken that path already so you can learn the practical skills that will help you do the same. Welcome James Mellor to the Visualise You show today. James started Rainbow Trout Film back in 2010 and has been in the film and TV industry for over 20 years and has had the good fortune to work on many film and TV productions including Harry Potter and The Prisoner of Azkaban, Last of the Summer Wine, London's Burning, Doctors, Rocketman, Wheeler Dealers, Car of the Year and The Real Holiday Show. James started out as a runner and worked his way up the assistant director ranks before becoming a producer and director. More recently directed and produced a Documentary Series The In Flight Food Trip, which launched in 2020 on Amazon Prime Video. Welcome, James. Wow, that's quite, I didn't realize I've got so many talented friends out there. That's quite an achievement that you, you've got over your career, working on some fantastic films and TV there. Thank you for joining us on the show today.
1: Thank you, Beth. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here and with such a, an honourable introduction. Oh, yep. well, where
0: do we go from there? <laughs> When did it all start for you and how did you end up doing the work that you do today?
1: I think the whole story really started when I was 10 years old and as an impressionable young 10 year old at that point I could have done anything in life as you do and it was a really unusual thing. My my parents at the time, my father ran a trout farm up here in West Yorkshire and Quite randomly, out of the blue, they got a call from BBC in Manchester saying, our usual suppliers let us down. We're looking for someone to supply us some live fish so we can film for a scene in a then unknown series, Red Dwarf. So I went along. So we, my dad obviously said yes. So I went along with the live fish in the back, down the M62 to Manchester. And they had the studios in the centre of Manchester then, I think, on Oxford Road. And I just walked onto the film set of Red Dwarf and just this whole world opened up to me. And I thought, I just felt at home. I thought, I love this. And I didn't know what I wanted to do within the industry. Uh I thought, this is where I want to be. And nobody from that point on could tell me otherwise, whether it's a school careers advisor going, oh no. And back in those days, I don't know if anyone remembers having to fill out the little pencil diagram thing of what your <laughs> your favourite subjects and things Yeah, you're showing
0: were. your age there. I'm <laughs> showing
1: <laughs> my age. Yeah, pre internet days though. <laughs> and and so nobody could could stop me then. And then I think uh, several years later I managed to get work experience over at uh, Yorkshire Television on Clifton yeah. Road on Countdown with the original, original casting cast and crew, as it were. And it was like that was my foot in the door. I was so nervous. I remember having going into the Yorkshire Television bar because they had bars in those uh-huh. days, because everyone went to the bar. And I had, had this cup of tea or coffee, and I was just so nervous I spilt it all down myself. <laughs> <of> the producer <laughs> like, because I was just this was such a big deal to me at the time. But then I was able to get onto that to do some work experience, which then led on some more work experience. I'm in the building, <laughs> and then i would just talk to people. And yeah. That led on some work experience on then a, a children's TV computer game show called Bad Influence. So I'm really showing my age here. This was about 1995. And so I did a two-week work experience placement with them. And then I would turn up for every shoot studio day and edit day for the rest of the series so I just they just let me turn up and I just watched and I soaked it in and I just learned so much about how production was run yeah and it really gave me some really good grounding and blocks to start within the industry because back then it wasn't so easy we didn't have the internet Film cameras and things were just not something anyone could really get access to. We were living in the world of still cameras. Nobody had a mobile phone.
0: Yeah. Do you think you would have still headed in that direction had you not had that first insight into it at the age of 10? Do you think you'd have found your way into the the industry regardless?
1: I would like to think so, but I can't say for sure. I think really without that happening... My career could have gone in a completely different way. Uh That would be with travel or something, because that was something else I was quite interested in at the time. And obviously, IT and information technology, things with computers. That those sort of things interested me during that period of time. So it could have gone either way at that point. But I just, from that point on, it was always the TV film world was definitely where I wanted to go. And uh, once I'd finished the high levels, and I then went down to London to do. media technology course at university down there, which was at the time connected with the Ealing studios. And that was the reason I went there because I thought, great, I can get in. I can see uh-huh. some real studios and see some things happening. Although we didn't see masses we were there, but it was like, I'm here in London back then, that's where everything happened was London centric. And once I'd finished, finished my course, I moved back up here to Yorkshire. I think I was hit up here two weeks and then I got a call for an interview for an independent show for Channel 4, The Real Holiday Show. They were based out of Elstree Film Studios. So yeah. I literally was <laughs> back down back the end M- one, moved into London and started my first job as a as a runner, tea boy, as it were, <laughs> making lots of cups of tea and running videotapes all across London for six months and that was that was all sort of my my first steps into the industry.
0: Wow that's really interesting. So how long were you in those kind of roles then before you decided you needed to set, set up for yourself and do your own thing?
1: So I, I went through a few stages within those early years because the film tv industry is vast there are so many facets to uh-huh. it so many areas and I Worked for Sky for a year with the Sky One with their special projects department. That came to an end. I then had the opportunity because I really was interested in uh, TV drama and, and film and uh, went for an interview down at Teddington Studios uh, with the production manager for Last of the Summer Wine, which is a series I grew up watching on yeah, a Sunday I think afternoon. Many of us in in the
0: Yor- in York Yorkshire definitely did, didn't we?
1: And so I went for an interview there and I, I got the job as a runner on that so it was it's almost like i'd i'd gone one path in the tv industry and then jumped rails and then went down as peg and then started going up another path but that job was just one of the most fun jobs i've ever had in my life i was like i could go back home to i could literally get back to my parents while we were filming up here in yorkshire and then it's like i'm just driving over the hill down into humberth <laughs> or marsden what we're we doing today or were we going down the hill on the in a bath or um yeah we've got some stuntmen doing some deaf stuff into flying into a lake and i had a blast on it absolute blast and just having the experience with such great wonderful seasoned actors yeah like peter salas dame thora heard and they were just they were so lovely to me and welcoming it was a family the things about cast and crew on film TVs is they become your family for when, however long that production mm-hmm. is, it's your family, it's your unit. And uh, yeah, I just loved it. And I did that for a, a couple of years with them and then moved on and did other productions such as London's Burning and then obviously got my big break into Harry Potter, which was...
0: Yeah, tell us awesome. about that then. How does that happen?
1: This is the, the funny thing is the production manager... On that, Michael Stevenson I'd I'd sent my CV into Warner Brothers and because I had Last of the Summer Wine on my CV Michael Stevenson is a second assistant director, he's probably one of the most famous second assistant directors, he's done every big film going for the last 30 plus 40 years, so if there's a big feature film, he's normally attached to it, whether it's Harry Potter or many of the other big films and he'd seen that, I'd got Last of the Summer Wine and he'd never worked on it and he wanted to have a chat with me about working on Last of the Summer Wine. So I, I came on board. I at, my first day on Harry Potter was, was just, it was surreal. It was, a big, it was a big day. They had all the cast in because it was a big day in the Great Hall. Yeah. So literally everybody was in that day. And they, they had a whole host of celebrity visitors visiting the set. So I was looking after some some producers who'd done uh, some really big things and some politicians are, right you're looking after these guys i'm like going okay oh. yes i've seen you on the tv you you were the, <laughs> the, the leader of the labor party okay yeah yeah okay <laughs> i was suddenly thrown into this world with all these amazing people and yeah
0: like, this is incredible i'm here <laughs> that must have been amazing
1: yeah so I just I, I loved every minute of that and it's just the fun things but there's a lot of, it's not all glamour I, I do have to say it's not all glamour so when you're lying on a frozen lake for a week while ice machines and things are blasted at you, while they've got these massive camera rings coming over when uh, the Dementor's attacking you and you're pretending to be uh, Gary Oldman it, it's quite, it can be quite tiring <laughs> but equally it was just being there being on those sets being with those people with those actors with that crew it's something that's really set a good core within my career and my life
0: yeah and such a good experience to have isn't it and to have that then on your cv and linkedin profile forevermore so that that sounds like an amazing thing that has happened and so serendipitous with the last of the summer wine link as well getting you there just Makes you think the things along our journey lead us to where we're yeah. heading. So, what came next then?
1: So, I, I then worked on a series of TV dramas up and down the country, mm-hmm. a stint with BBC Doctors and afternoon plays at BBC Pebble Mill in Birmingham. I then went all the way up to Newcastle, worked with Robson Green's production company on, on a six series called Rocket Man. He was building an amateur rocket to get up to space. And then he did a one-off drama called Beaten, which was a really hard-hitting drama at the time and did very well for the BBC. I then got an opportunity to move up the ladder again and become a second assistant director on a couple of feature films. Also shot up in the northeast and then became a first assistant director which is right under the, the director as it were from a logi- logistical side of things doing that and I was really enjoying that and then I went back to London and I was doing bits and pieces on other productions also did a little bit of acting in between so my face would pop up on <laughs> random things which people always found uh amusing but for me it was like it gets me on a set it gets me to meet Other people, other crew, other creatives and seeing how they work. And one of those was Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight and I got to I was an extra on that. But I thought I'm getting paid to sit watch Christopher Nolan direct and class. And it was just Exactly and I'm like going you can't buy this experience. (laughs) And then the strange things happened, I think about 2008 or nine, I got asked by Sky to come and do a short, direct short piece for Sky Real Lives channel. And it was only about a 10 day gig. I thought, great. Yeah, I had a a gap in my production schedule. So I went and did that. And then this was working in their in-house creative department. Uh So they did a whole wide range of things. And then something else came up, said, oh, are you available for this? And it was more of a corporate job for um, Tesco Christmas conference. So I was producing a whole load of content. So the upshot is I was there for two years. <laughs> and that was when, during that two years, was when I got the opportunity to become a limited company, which was something I always, in the back of my thought, I always wanted to have my own company. Yes, yeah. And I was given a choice as, do you want to... Just stay as a self-employed pay-as-you-earn person or do you want to be a limited company I Uh thought actually yes this is the perfect opportunity to to do that and of course what do you call yourself as a limited company (laughs) and I thought well no James Miller Productions that's a little bit too (laughs) self-pretentious and then yeah the whole creative process of going around just thinking of a company name and I was attending at the BAFTA television awards that year. Yeah. And I was looking at all the different production companies that were winning and dragonfly films and oh animals. And then it harked back to where, where I started with where the trout farm. And I thought, rainbow trout. So I was straight onto Company's house checking, is it taken? <laughs> of course it <laughs> That's was. That's
0: the first thing, yeah. <laughs> so
1: it was like, yeah. So I was straight onto my account and going, Yeah, Can We Rainbow Trout Films, (laughs) as my company name. And so it has that personal connection with me. And the actual design of the fish is based on a drawing my late mother drew. So it was all sort of, it all tied in. Yeah. So I think it was just meant to be. And so that's where everything kicked off. So my first client was a really big client, was Sky. It was producing commercials promos on off-air, all sorts uh-huh. of content for them i think one of my ones i'm most proud about was when they they gave me the, a brief for a new advert for they would sky and wwf had partnered and they were doing a new adopt a jaguar campaign and they gave me this brief for, uh, can we just find some archive footage and, and just bolt something new together i had a look at it and thought actually, no, we need to think a bit outside the box. And the upshot is they weren't going to send me to Brazil, but I was able to then work out where are some nice jaguars in an outside <laughs> environment. And so I presented a new proposal back to them, which that ended up being, we filmed up at Chester Zoo. Some amazing footage of the jaguars. And so it was all new, fresh footage that went into this campaign. And that's one of the I'm really proud of that. And they I remember them saying at the time their the campaign just shot off and oh. went through the roof. And so it was great to be a small cog within that, with that.
0: And great that they give you that creativity to, to mm. be able to do that as well. That sounds like. Yeah. So you can put something and put your your stamp on. Yeah. And I really love the the rainbow trout because I think I've asked you in the past what it means so it must, you must get asked that question maybe because it is it's quite an unusual name isn't it and I think but I think I love that it's got that personal story and actually it comes full circle in terms of where you started out and that it means so much to you from a family point of view as well.
1: Yes absolutely and when I was going to film festivals or can and doing meat markets and things at Berlin Alley and things like that people remember ah oh, you're the fish guy because I had advice. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like great they remembered i had a conversation but they remembered so it was thought
0: sort of It something is memorable here. it yeah. works
1: yeah so it works and that's why i've obviously kept it and i keep it for all my creative projects now but yeah just going back obviously sky was great but then of course back then 29 2010 was obviously we were going through the finance that financial crash and mm-hmm. things and then sky job came abruptly to an end because they went oh all freelancers thank you very much So I went from a really steady income to zero within a week, which was like, ah, panic, what do I do? And I just invested in some new camera equipment and Uh things. Ah, what am I going (laughs) to do? So that was tough.
0: You hear that when some limited companies start up and you've got that that one big client who maybe brings in the majority of your income and maybe make that mistake of actually not focusing on bringing in other revenue streams. Is that something that you went through and then you had to go, right, actually, how do I grow this business now? Because I hear it a lot in the conversations that I
1: Yes, have. I think that was a big life lesson of don't have all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Because, as I say, that my work there started as a 10-day in-and-out job and then turned into two years, which was great from an income perspective at the mm-hmm. time. But then I neglected all my other as you say all my other streams all my other contacts so when some opportunities came up I made it mistakenly to pass them by so I'm uh-huh. doing this now and yeah I regret some of that because I thought I shouldn't have uh, done that but then that's a life lesson in business so as you say I had to really think and go what can we do and get out there but I was It took a while. It wasn't just, oh, right, I'll just get some more work in. It was hard work. And I think one of my first clients back then was Yahoo, Mm because Yahoo were big then. They're not as big as they are now, because I think Google and uh, Apple have really Uh taken over the whole tech market from that point of view. But I ended up doing some event filming for them for some of their global hack events. So we did a European one. And they liked what I did with that so much. They hired me and I did one out in in Tel Aviv, which was uh, great. I thought international travel and filming, it was just, this is great. And I I worked with quite a few agencies in London and built up my portfolio Uh that way. And then seven years ago, I made the big decision to leave London and come back to my roots up here in uh, West Yorkshire now based in Halifax that was a massive hit on the business because all my contacts were based in London so I still up and down the country quite a lot but over time that's got a little bit less Uh and then it was almost like starting again from scratch yeah because oh I'm back here but my contacts are there I don't have any contacts up here and it's taken me a few years to find out the lay of the land the landscape who's doing what within that landscape and carving out a new niche for myself so it's been a process some hit and miss things but I think we're on a a good trajectory now.
0: For anybody who may be finding themselves in that situation where you have to uproot and move for for whatever reason is there any kind of advice you would give in terms of shortening that learning curve from the things that you've you've found?
1: It's getting whatever area you're in it's getting connected within the network uh-huh. of that area as quickly as possible obviously right now we're going through covid and the lockdowns and things so networking has never actually been easier because we can all do it online there's lots of uh, networking groups and I, I guess i wish there was more of that in the beginning because there's yeah. a physical yeah. Networking as is quite a bit more challenging than online networking Mm -hmm. because online networking everybody gets their forty or sixty seconds to give their pitch about what they do, and learn about what the other businesses within that area do. And when I came back up here and then went to some networking things, I found it really hard. It's like how do I talk to people? How do you interact? What am I doing in this space? And then you start, and then you get sometimes you'd get stuck with the same people going. Well, I know they're not going to help my business. They don't need or want my product. And then how do you get past that? So I think reaching out to your to the local networks, whether that's in film, TV, which, whatever avenue you're in, reach out to the people around you, make connections, have a one-to-one, have a meeting. Yeah, I think I've had more one-to-ones meetings in the last <laughs> uh, four or five months than I have done in the last four or five years. It's
0: crazy, isn't it? It makes you wonder what we were all doing before, like jumping in the car and going to these really early, ridiculously early in the morning yep. networking events. And I think that has been the positive side of COVID, has not it? I feel more, yeah. I feel more connected even though we're not actually in the same room with people. Hi, listener. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I thought we'd just pause a moment to let you know that there is so much waiting for you at my website, BethHewitt.com where you can access free downloads, access the Visualize You free Facebook community where I go live every single week. Plus you can learn about the power of scripting, access the visualization ball and find out more about my membership Visualize and Thrive. So go check it out and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Head to BethHewitt.com and I can't wait to connect with you real soon. Now let's get on with the show. Let's just talk about video itself for a little bit. What kind of advice would you give to somebody? Obviously, you've worked on large kind of scale projects, but I know you also give advice to smaller SMEs who are maybe thinking about video for the first time. What would you say to people who are just thinking about dipping their toes in in the water in terms of starting to do video?
1: I I think it's getting over that initial scared, I don't want to be on camera. Uh And people sometimes forget, you are your business, you are the face of your business, whoever you are, in whatever walk of life or business it is, that business doesn't exist without you as the catalyst of that business. It can grow and then take on other facets later on. But especially in the SME world, it's taking that first leap. And the great thing about technology and what's out there now you can achieve so much with your mobile phone Uh you can your mobile phone is a video camera it can do amazing amazing things but you have to take the time to learn it the skills of presenting for instance on camera how you breathe how you present how you all of these things which if you've ever done any acting things is part of that training And it's not natural for everybody. Definitely not. It wasn't natural for me. And then I thought, sometimes you've got to practice what you preach. And they go, oh, yeah, I'm going to do this video. All right, I should really do an introduction. (laughs) Yeah, let's just do it. And I think don't go from a a written script. I think that's one of the key things. Go from some bullet points. You go, I want to get at this point and this point in your mind and be conversational. Hi, I'm this we do this, and I'd like to tell you about this. And keep it really conversational, and you want to connect with me, give us a call, hook the website, etc. So you're getting your personality across, because that's one of the great things, especially now, video can do that. Yeah. And you can do that at a certain scale without having to go to the likes of me initially. Obviously, if you need help out there, we can obviously... Offer that, and I have done uh, mentoring and some training with some small businesses to help them on that journey to get them set up to go, Oh, this is terrifying for me. And then I've done that. I've gone in, I've gone into the business, I'm going, Right, you go through these steps, given them the basic tools to know what they need to do, and set them out, and given them the right tools to go, This is the path, this is you can do this. There's lots of other things. Technology is constantly changing. But then they got the confidence to go out and go, okay, yeah, we can do this. And to see that business and those people being, I would say, timid behind the camera. And then I I saw saw one of them on one particular business on one of these Zoom networks. And they were a completely different person. They Mm -hmm. were confident. They were coming across. They knew what they were saying. And that was not the person I met when we first started that conversation. I thought, they've taken on board all those lessons and and, and tips and gone with it and now they're coming across as someone who's really confident in their space because nobody knows your business your business yeah i wouldn't tell you how to run your business but i can tell you how to use video as a marketing tool to help get the goals in your business that you want to achieve yeah that's something i would always ask something don't do video's sake but have a plan of where you want what you want to achieve with it. It's if you're doing a blog post or a podcast,
0: Uh
1: what's your aim here? Where do you want to go? So whether it's, I want to do a product testimonial about this thing. And the upshot of that is I want to sell five of these units and make uh, over a million pounds of turnover. But then you've got your goals in your mind, or you might be just like, I just want a nice blitzy website video, which I can put on the website Use in the trade shows so people can see our wares. It can be all sorts of scales, but I would say look at video as part of your digital assets. Yeah. And build up that library of those assets. So you might find you do something two, three years ago, but elements of that are really relevant to a new product you're launching. But you don't need to redo everything all the time. You can go, "We'll take those elements. We'll keep those elements, and we'll." build it into this new thing so you're not having to reinvent the wheel every time
0: i think that's really interesting i think we sometimes forget that we can repurpose our knowledge and content a number of different times so we were talking right before we started recording this audio that actually when we could use the video content because obviously we're doing this on zoom as well to maybe repurpose that and drive people to the podcast which i think is another really great tip um, and take away for the listeners today so yeah I think it's just not being I think it's sometimes just getting started isn't it with video and just having a go but I think it is important just to be conversational and not to get too hung up on the what am I going to look like what if I say the wrong thing does it need to be scripted or not and just be ourselves really I think that's uh, what I've been learning hopefully lots of people have learned that lesson over this period of being on zoom calls and I know there's grandparents that have been Zooming with grandchildren, and all that kind of thing. So I think everybody, whether you're in the business world or not, has maybe really built up that confidence and hopefully that will continue in business as, as we move forward. So you've got the Rainbow Trout films, but then you've also got the Northern Video Company. What's the difference? So I'll tell you the
1: story uh, about that. I've got a, a sort of a business mentor or someone who's, who's helped me along uh, the journey called, a uh, guy called Den Lenny. And he runs also a podcast uh, video business uh, accelerator podcast. So aimed at people like myself who are in production and how to build your business. And at the end of 2018, I was invited down to a two day video business masterminding session. And what that entailed was, there was about 12 different businesses. There's 12 of us all in one room with then leading the course and Basically, we would then all have a time to talk about where we were at with our business and what challenges we were facing and how we could overcome things. And then we had this wonderful thing of there's not just one idea. There's Mm -hmm. another 11 or 12 ideas in that room of people that uh, could be further along the journey than you in a different sector, but have all been and trod that road. So I got so much out of that two-day course and one of the things that that came up was for my creative work rainbow trout films really works so when i'm doing some creative documentary it's, it's perfect but when it comes to say an engineering firm wanting a corporate video for their uh, latest machines it, it rainbow Trout films might not be the, the first name they think of And through the course of having uh, those discussions, we collectively came up and I pitched back to them and said, how about we thought of lots of different names, but one that stuck with me was the Northern Video Company Mm because I thought, well, we're up here. We're in the north of England. It's a very industrial area. One of the other key points was with video production, there are so many facets to it, whether you're doing 360, 3D, 4K, 8K, 12K now, or there's corporate drama. There's so many different areas, and what that enabled to me to do was to be able to niche down into some business sectors. Mm-hmm. So then, rather than go, I'm just a bland production company like every other production company around. Actually, we're now the specialists in uh, the engineering, manufacturing and logistics space. So we're able to niche down. We can still do other things. Uh, I still work with lots of other sectors because what we do can be cross sector. But from a marketing point of view, it gave us the ability to go, no, this is the route we're going. But it also gives us the flexibility to change and adapt that as we grow as a business. So that became uh, sort of a brand within the business. So it's not a separate business. It's a brand within Rainbow Trout Films. It means that when I have those conversations, I can be, this is the Northern Video Company, part of Rainbow Trout Films, but this is our specialist field. And that has been a real, so when I've been doing a lot of these Zoom networking things, especially during COVID, networking has been a godsend for me and to get out there in front of so many people that I can say, I'm working on this for this and this sector. On the back of me saying that, so many people have come back to me, ah, I need to talk to you because I mentioned one of the sectors that they might yeah. have something, some interest in. Whereas if I'd have just gone with just video production, the end, those conversations wouldn't have necessarily happened. Uh-huh. So, yeah, my big uh, pivot there was to niche down in, into some sectors to create the go-to person for yeah. that type of content.
0: I think that's a really clever thing to do, isn't it, as well? You hear about niching or niching, depending on where in the world you're listening to the podcast, and we hear about it a lot in marketing, but it really is important to make sure you get the, the right target audience, and it sounds like that was a, a good move for you to do that. And it's it's such a strong name as well. I think it's very distinguishable from your Rainbow Trout films identity as well. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. We all have skills and experience that we've amassed over the journey of our career. I like to call them superpowers, but are there things that you would like to share with our listeners that you think are your kind of key strengths? I, I guess it's from,
1: obviously, I've got a whole breadth of knowledge and I think one of my strengths is, and I'm sure you'll attain to this, I've recently done some business mentoring part of uh, a partnership with the Mm -hmm. digital enterprise where we do some mentoring with some SME businesses. And so it's giving back and sharing in that knowledge. And for me, it's unlocking whatever that roadblock is for that business or the SME business that they want to grow to the next level but don't know how to. And if they come to me and say, I really want to do some video, I don't know what to do. Or it ends up being, have you thought about doing it like this? Uh-huh. Whether it's, have you thought about getting some video testimonials as a prime example? And going, oh, yes. And I said, once you've got that in that form, you can repurpose it across audio. You can take elements out of it into your website, into your blogs. It's such a, uh, once you've got that asset and that person saying this and this about your business, use it. (laughs) Make, as you say, bang the drum, which we're all sometimes not that good (laughs) at doing (laughs) for ourselves. And I think, yeah, having shared that. And I think at the moment, going through a pivot in my business at the moment where, because of COVID, the only thing that I've I've built up some really good partnerships and relationships with other businesses within my network, within my area, to the point where I'm actually moving into a larger office, believe it or not, with its own studio space, which I'm sharing with a local photographer. But then we can then offer so much more Uh from a package perspective than we could do before. And that's quite scary, given our current situations with local lockdowns and uh, things with the Covid changing all the time but it just feels like this is the right step to help build us to the next level.
0: Yeah and I think it, I mean, in terms of the superpower that you've identified I think that's an incredibly important one to be able to help unlock those challenges that people might have and sometimes they can't see that themselves because they're, they're in the thick of the, the work that they're doing day in day out so that must be very rewarding to be able to identify that for them and help them along that way so as entrepreneurs and we, we all have our platforms of choice to be able to get our message out there into the world is there something that's working particularly well for rainbow trout one of the new things we're
1: going to be launching within the next couple of months probably october november time because one of the things we have realized is video production generally speaking is very expensive And scary for lots of businesses, whether they're small, medium, or even large businesses. Uh And when you come to them with something that's going to cost this, that people panic. Not all people, but some people can. And there are different levels and different tiers. So one of the things we're we're going to be launching is a subscription-based service where businesses can access our technology, our skills, and get so much content depending on Uh what tier that is. Yeah. So, for instance, for those larger companies who may have been thinking of hiring an in-house videography department,
0: yeah,
1: that's quite an expensive. You've got the cost of hiring that person, paying that person, and then the whole massive cost of hiring and getting in the kit. Camera equipment is expensive at the best of times, and it's always changing. We went, when I started my career, we were in the standard definition world. We went to HD. Yeah. Into the 4K, they're bringing out cameras now that 8K, 12K, even. So, technology is moving on very rapidly. And as a production company, we like to try and keep up to the best of that we can with that. But then, I'm hoping that will allow those businesses to take on our services without the risk of having that employer or mm-hmm. anything, so they can still get the content, whether it's a, a local farm shop needing to get all the information out about what their new products are right up to a big financial firm saying we've got all this internal marketing to do to be able to uh, afford to do that in a slightly different way because what i have noticed and i'm sure you have so many things have now gone on to a subscription-based platform whether it's your microsoft suite it's 365 or for us we're using adobe premiere and after effects it's, it's all based on subscriptions, so it, being able to access all of the services through one one point and get great content and help to help with, I guess, the strategy. Because it's not just we come in and shoot a video. Yeah. We'll have the discussions about what you want to achieve, how we can achieve it, and using uh, video as part as a key part of that strategy, whether that's within your social media and um, other forms as i say you can produce a video but you might produce one big video you can then take 10 different elements out which you can then use on social media posts then you can do a blog post which you can include the video in take the the transcript re- repurpose that enough to a blog so you've got those digital assets but you're repurposing them yeah. up 10 12 14 times and then you might go this might be then relevant again in three months time and go, we've got it, we can just repurpose it, rejig it. I think
0: and... that's I think that element of that creative support that you also bring then with this subscription service is really valuable because I think for a lot of SMEs it's not the first hurdle is actually I need to create a video and it might be just one video and but then it's the thought behind what is that going to look like, how we're we going to do that, what how is that going to be interpreted and how is that going to be perceived by people out there. And then It almost feels like that's the end of the road when actually, like you say, it can be repurposed and used a number of times. So I think such a a valuable service that you're going to be able to provide on an ongoing basis. So they never have to think about that for themselves again, I suppose. Obviously, they'll be involved in that creative process with you, but they're not on their own. And and it seems like you're trying to simplify that, that process for them.
1: Yeah. So we're not in their face all the time. But then when we're coming to do the filming, We all know what we're doing. We've done the planning. We've done the prep. They know exactly what messages they want to get across to their audience. I think that's key. And then learning from that and going, finding out that really worked well, that worked well that didn't work so well. Why didn't that work so well? Ah, let's try and do it this way. And so it's obviously testing that all along. Yeah. and seeing how that works so that as you say it goes into your blogs, it goes into email marketing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It can feed into so many different channels. It's something well worth thinking about.
0: Yeah. I like that. It's a good model and I think a lot of businesses will benefit from that support. So this, obviously, show is all about visualising you. So what do you see for your company in the future? What's coming next for you?
1: In the very immediate future, as I mentioned, we're moving uh, into a larger office. So we'll have a studio space in the centre of Halifax. So we'll be able to do interviews, podcasts. As I've teamed up with a local photographer called Danny Thompson. Uh, he does uh, fantastic commercial photography. We'll be doing a lot more together. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you might think, oh yeah I want to do some videos but actually I need a lot of product photography in there as well the nice thing is how I can see that forming and building is that we'll be able to offer that and one of the other things I'm focusing on is very much uh, systemizing processes within our business so that in the future I'll be able to take more of a backseat from all the hands-on
0: yeah
1: and become more of an overview so I'd like I'm hoping seeing the business expand over the next couple of years as we grow and build this and other products yes exciting and scary times because this is a big leap for us from moving from that bedroom office edit suite to real life offices and (laughs) interactions so it's i'm looking forward to the challenges and the opportunities that move ahead
0: that sounds great thank you for sharing all of that with us and i wish you all the luck uh, for your company in the future where can people find out more about you online and any of the services that you've got available
1: obviously uh, you can find me on linkedin and uh, if you search for james meller we've also got obviously rainbow trout com for the main company for our creative work whether that's documentaries and films etc and then we've got the northern video company.com for the corporate work and there's there's crossing links to all of those please check us out please give us a follow and look forward to having more great conversations with many of you out there and hopefully we can help some more
0: i'm sure you will and i'll put all the links to the um, various websites in the show notes for today so people can check them out there as well thank you very much for joining us. Thank you Beth. It's been a pleasure. Okay, everybody, I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast with James. There were so many good nuggets in there. For me, it was the whole journey that James has been through in terms of how he has learned his craft, that willingness to really get stuck in and learn and absorb when he's on the sets and to be the runner and do all of these these tasks and work his way up that career ladder to where he is today and starting his own business. I also thought it was really interesting what James said about the thing that makes you stand out to a producer or whoever who is recruiting you or a business or a client that is looking for you. It might not be the thing that you are expecting to be the thing that connects you. So James talks about how this one producer, director, was really interested in James's work on the show The Last of the Summer Wine when he was trying to get his foot in the door at Warner Brothers. I just think that's really important that all of our skills and experiences across our journey are so important and we shouldn't put them in a hierarchy. They are all part of our journey and they are all so valuable and you never know who is listening and who is connecting to the things that they see and hear from you. James also talks about that process of coming up with your name when starting a business and creating a new brand for your business. And we've already mentioned masterminds already at the beginning of the podcast, but there's something so powerful about going through that process with others and bouncing ideas off one another. Another life lesson, and I've also learned this, is that when you're starting out in business, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't rely on that one client to always be around and always be able to bring in that steady income. You need to diversify and you need to look at different ways and different revenue streams that you can bring into your business, whether that's affiliate marketing or partnerships or sponsorships or something else. There's so many different ways that you can make money. I also love what James says about small businesses and individuals creating videos for the first time, not to do them scripted, but to have pointers. I like having scripts. I like having things. I like feeling organised. I feel really unprepared if I don't have something in front of me. But having a script, you can totally tell when somebody has a script and it just doesn't feel as authentic. So this idea of just having some pointers that you can refer back to and just have a natural conversation is so important. And I think it's really sound advice. And don't forget to check out James's new subscription-based service. That's going to support... Small and medium sized businesses with their video production and help them to repurpose content. So, I think a lot of businesses really struggle with video creation. They maybe don't feel confident and they do it and then they're so relieved that it is done and out of the way that they don't do all the strategic thinking around actually how can I repurpose this content? How can I maximize the reach of this content? And so, James's model and subscription model is going to be so helpful to so many businesses and professionals and helping people just to get out of their own way in terms of creating video. Okay, I really hope you have enjoyed this show. Please do leave me a review, and I look forward to sharing more podcast interviews with you very soon. Okay, so that's all for today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any aha moments, tag me in your social media stories and please, please, please leave me a review on iTunes. It'll really help me out. Until next time, remember to visualize you.